This week we're talking about everything you need to know when it comes to new construction. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Uh, I'm Justin from Team Grande at Remax Escarpment, joined by Daniel Yunan, who is also on Team Grande at Remax Escarpment. It's a pleasure <laughs> to have you on. Well, happy to be here, buddy. Week. I like it. You got a fresh cut. I got a fresh cut. We want it to look good for today for you guys to talk about this important topic. Um, the reason I brought Danny on is I know I do a lot of construction, but he does a tremendous amount. And I feel like he is just one of the best people to talk to about when it comes to this topic, uh, especially with what we have on the team. Because you've, I don't know, like how many approximately have you sold? Like oh, over... we've done, well, we've done a few different sites, Beamsville, Paris, you know, we're probably in that three to 400 units, Yeah, you know, so from detached to towns. Yeah, that's it. You got yeah. the experience. You're the right guy to talk to. So hopefully we can pick your brain, get some of this knowledge out there, because I think when it comes to new construction, people don't really know everything that goes into it they're kind of curious because it is different than just buying like a, a resale home um so like what what's one of the major things that you find people don't not don't understand but don't necessarily anticipate when they're looking at new construction i, I think i would say it's probably the deposit and how it's structured every, every builder is different uh, but most of them are all almost at the same level of playing field when it comes to how much money you got to put down. And it's always 10% of the purchase price. The difference comes is how they want that 10%. Some will want it all at once. Some will say four months or four equal payments, five equal payments broken down into 30, 60, 90, 120 days. And again, that's all based on your closing date. So if it's a long closing date from a year to two years, that deposit would probably be stretched out longer just to accommodate, obviously, the amount. If you're buying something for a million bucks, 10%, that's a lot of money to be putting down. Mm -hmm. So the longer the stretch it is, it is more obviously beneficial. But again, it all depends. But rule of thumb is 10%. 10%. Of the pur purchase price. And I think that's a key too because, uh, and one thing to note that that money that you're putting down does go towards your overall down payment. So you don't have to come up with your down payment on top of that. And uh, like the interesting thing you said, it's not due all at once. So if you don't have the money yet, but you know you're going to have it in four months, it might be good to kind of plan that, okay, I need yeah. to come up with this. I don't just have to write a check today for like 100K. Yeah, well, we've seen as a lot of people, if they have a house to sell, they typically will refinance that and pull the equity out and use it for the down payment because it is a large amount of money. Uh, obviously, the first one is always due at signing, so you can't sign any paperwork without putting a consideration down, which is the money. So make sure you at least have ten to 20000 sitting around uh, to put down for the first one. And then the rest of them are all post-dated checks. So again, another thing you need to have are checks. <laughs> so that that's that's another big thing that we always, people forget. They come into the office or to the sales office. They don't have checks. Uh, you could get parents to sign for you or bring checks for on your behalf until you get checks and swap them out. Again, every builder is different, but the one we work with typically allows you to swap the checks before the next payment. Uh, so you could also do a bank draft. Uh, they're never going to say no. The <laughs> you just got to you got to yeah. figure out how to get the money. <laughs> the check. You know what? I never I don't even think I had a checkbook until my first purchase was a new build. And I think I actually went and got a checkbook 
yeah. because of that purchase. Yeah. Because I had to write the the checks. That's hilarious when you think about it. Because we don't. I mean, if you're not really like in business or anything, what, what like do you need checks for? Have yeah. A check, checkbook, especially our generation. But if you want to be an investor, you got to have checks. You got to get it ready. Yeah. Right? And uh, I know another thing that you had mentioned to me previously was uh, the closing dates because you get that Terry on form. Yep. On closing. And you see what, like four or five different dates on that paperwork. Can you break down sort of what to look for when you're looking at those dates or what, what they mean? Yeah. So every obviously project site, there's already preset dates. Uh, the way Terion breaks it out, when you have that first page where it has like, there's probably 10 dates. The first one is your tentative date. That's not a firm date. That's not the actual like closing date, but that's the date that the builder will go off of. So when you're outside of that 90 day window, the builder could delay you up to 120 days. So what that second date is, that's the 120 days that they do delay you with and then so on and so forth. So there'll be three to four of those type of dates. Now below those dates, there's another set of dates. This is where it gets confusing because people are like, well, what's, what are these dates? So those dates are the dates that if that date passes, the first date becomes firm and binding. So you don't need to contact your builder or the sales rep to say, hey, is this firm? Like, am I closing on this date? What's going on? The second it passes, it's automatically firm and binding. Uh, the, your bankers should know. Your lawyers will know. Everybody will know. So if you got delayed to the second date, then that second part, the same thing. If that date passes, that second date becomes firm and binding. So that's kind of how you have to go about it. Uh, and we always try to help people and try to, you know, address those concerns because it is confusing. A lot of people don't know and they see 100 dates. They don't know which one's their date. Yeah, exactly. And then a lot of times the builder, I think, I don't know if it's a legal thing or just a courtesy, but I know generally they have to give you at least 90 day notice if they're planning to go from that first kind of date to the next one. Like if they're planning to move down, they have to give you some notification that they are yeah. extending it. Yeah. by that date on the bottom half, right? Of Absolutely. The, of yeah. I mean... Again, nothing's in, in our control. Like, you know, COVID happens, multiple different things happen, strikes happen on site. When you have two years, three years away, closing dates, mm. anything can happen, especially in the construction world. So if they they might be closer to that 90 day if, when they delay you, and I get it, everybody gets upset because you're planning and you want to either sell a house, you need to get your, your financing thing, all yeah. locked in, you got to get all that stuff done. So it does make it very difficult to plan, but at the same time, the builder is trying to do the best that he can uh, to meet those deadlines as well, right? They're mass productions, so. Yeah, and I mean, you're saying that, like, you touched on a couple things that I know when you were talking about first getting the checks to the deposit. My first new build I actually bought with a refinance. I pulled equity out to purchase it. So that's a good option for people that if you think how are you going to get the money to purchase a new build, that's one way to do it if you have equity in your current home. Uh, and then another, when you're talking about trying to line up the closing date, I actually had it happen to me where I sold my place because I didn't want to, I thought it was going to close my townhouse yeah. out on the Stony Creek mountain. I sold my place and then that got pushed three months. So we just ended up moving in with my mom for three months. Which, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't the worst thing. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was pretty good. I liked having my laundry done again for me. So that was nice. But uh, that, and then one other thing that I think is a huge expense that people don't anticipate with new construction is all the additional costs because the additional costs with the new construction are actually usually they're a lot bigger than just a regular resale property. Right. Yep. So a lot of times people aren't aware of those extra costs. Again, every builder is different, 
but majority of them either do one or two things. They either cap your levees, your utilities. Utilities are your hydro, your water connections to the house, cable connections to the house. So some builders will cap those at a, at a cost. They'll say $10,000 for everything. Uh, if it goes over that, you only pay 10 grand. If it's less than that, you only pay what that, that cost was. Some builders leave it open. If yeah. you... The, you, when you initially come to sign a pay contract, you always get two weeks uh, for lawyer review and mortgage approval. So during those two weeks, you must do your mortgage approval so you could get that pre-approval letter or the firm approval letter to lock in those rates, obviously, because the rates have gone up. Mm -hmm. So you want to lock in those low rates. And secondary, it's the lawyer review because the lawyer review will look at the paperwork and find those costs. If those costs are high or if they're not capped, He's going to go out of his way and make sure they're capped or he's going to advise you of what you're buying and what you're moving into. We try to educate as much of the purchasers when they come into the sales office to understand what they're buying. But the second they leave that door, typically I've noticed they usually forget yeah. and then they forget to send it to the lawyer or their lawyer is not in town or they're out on vacation, whatever the case is. But it's very, very important for you, especially if it's your first time buying something that you're not aware of those extra costs and they could rack up. They could, if, the, if a levy pops up, that could be five to 10 K. And if mm -hmm. it's not capped, that's coming out of your pockets and you only see those costs at end of closing. You mm -hmm. don't see them before closings because you don't know the builder doesn't even know till that time yeah. and they're about to build the house. So you, you just want to be prepared and you want to have the most knowledge knowing what you're buying and what you're going into, you know, new construction is completely different than resale. But if you're, educated enough to understand what you're about to buy it's a smooth transition yeah and that's it i think a lot of people get super overwhelmed when it comes to new construction like like you said you forget to send it to the lawyer or your broker because you're just not you're excited you, you're excited you just signed literally the biggest contract of your life like those things are how many pages 50 pages 60 they, they, pages. they could be 100 yeah yeah compared yeah. to a regular and it's not built yeah, you're just buying like, land you're yeah. trying to pick out your floor plan you're wondering which way the island's gonna go right yeah then you got to pick your lot Oh, am I going to have a lot that yeah. has like a grade in the bag? Or so you're trying to, yeah. and then by the time you're all done, you walk out of there, you need a nap. I yeah. feel like oh, it's yeah. exhausting. Oh, and sometimes <laughs> the way the floor plan is, then it's built and it's flipped. It's flipped, yeah. And then you're like, wait, no, the kitchen's supposed to be on this side. It's like. That was, uh, my first house, we, we spent two years looking at the one floor plan. And, then, <laughs> uh, and we knew it was going to be flipped. But when we moved in, it was weird. Because yeah. we've been anticipating, even though we knew it was flipped. Yeah. Our, our mind, our visually, we were looking at it. Yeah, that was we get though. that and then we get the garages when the, the garage and the front door are flipped. Yeah. Everybody's assuming it's on this side. And, and I guess it all has to do with the north, the south, the west, the east, the way the sun hits and whether you want it in your backyard. So yeah, it's just being mindful of all those little things with like construction. Do a whole episode just on all how of to that. pick a good lot layout. Like yeah. Like, yeah. That's pretty important for resale, right? I think a lot of people don't think about it. Walkouts, ex extreme lookouts, like there's so different multiple of different grading. I mean, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, maybe we'll but, talk about that again in a, yeah. another episode, but I like it. But let's, we'll stick to this. But if you guys got questions about purchasing new construction, reach out to us. I mean, Dan is like an expert on this topic on the team. <laughs> so more than happy to help you. If you have any questions at all, just drop a comment below and we'd love to help you out. All right, so now that we've talked about everything that goes into purchasing the new construction or, you know, a lot of topics that people don't consider when purchasing new construction, let's talk about the other end because I think there's just a lot of confusion out there 
about what you can do with the property once it closes in terms of like moving into it, selling it, renting it. But each one of those things has a massive financial difference or like, you know, in yeah. terms of what it could cost you, what you have to look out for tax wise. Like there's a lot of different options out there. So um, why don't we start with the one that's the straightforward one. You purchase a house, you're moving in, it's your primary residence. What implications are there with that? Nothing. So if, if, if it's strictly going to be your primary residence and you're moving into it, you have no intentions of renting it out or doing anything with it, especially the first year, whether you're flipping it, uh, the HST is paid on your behalf by the builder. Uh, and that's usually done when you sign the affidavit at the lawyer's office stating that what your primary use of the property is and you're letting him know you're moving into it. So they pay it on your behalf. It's included in the purchase price. And besides your closing costs, your your fees and your deposit, there's nothing else to be concerned about when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. So that's um, straightforward. Like primary residence, I guess, is the easiest, right? You just you're moving in, you're living in it, you're not selling it. Straightforward. Yeah. Where I guess it gets confusing is even if uh, I guess we talk if it's your primary residence and you sell within a year, this is where I think people. Well, if you sell, to do yeah, and they if, don't expect the bill that comes with it. Yeah, right? there's. Like at the end of the day, it's the CRA that's going to come out and audit you. Uh, if you sell it within like six months, seven months, again, if it's out of your control and you're forced to sell it, whether it's relocation or you know a divorce or a split, when CRA audits you, I believe those are categories that they'll you know look past. But if you're just doing it to flip, the CRA is not going to pay the builder his rebate when he files for it. They're going to come after you. So they're going to come after you for the rebate, and they're also going to add interest on it as well and late penalty. Mm-hmm. So and that rebate, that HST. Now I remember when I was buying mine, I think the HST then was actually capped at like twenty eight thousand or something. It's around thirty k, but it all depends on your purchase price. So I believe if you're purchasing over four hundred eighty thousand, then it's a twenty four thousand dollar rebate they they would give back and then you'd be out of pocket that six grand so if you go to sell within the year essentially you've gone you've closed on it paid your down payment paid the legal fees paid the levies you sell in three months you get audited you could be liable for like a twenty four thousand yeah thirty thousand dollar bill on top of it that you got to pay yeah uh, yeah unless it's out of your control and you had to sell it yeah different story but if you're just strictly doing it to be flipping then yeah, they'll come after you. They've done it. They, I've been audited before myself, but it's yeah. it's just. But you, you know, actually moved into yours. I lived into it. mine. Yeah, I was living in mine, and they didn't send me the bill, but they sent me. Uh, they wanted to audit me, so what I had to do was I had to actually send them my driver's license. I had to send them a few utility bills, and I actually had to write and sign a uh, uh, pretty much like an affidavit stating that my primary use in the property when we moved in and what I'm using it for. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was a few weeks later, they just sent me saying it's it's granted and they rebated the builder. Perfect. So they gave you a chance up front. They gave you the notice, you know, try yeah. to prove it. The, they want like, you to prove it. Yeah. it. It was like, okay, here, yeah, show us before we move forward with anything Exactly. Else. So yeah. that's pretty good. Do you know if there's a limit on the years they can go back on you on that? I want to say seven. That's what I would think too. Yeah. Yeah. Seven years. So if they come back after yeah. seven years, that's a lot of interest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should check that out. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I remember hearing it was seven from somebody. I don't know for sure, though. But uh, yeah, we'll let you know. You know what? Maybe I'll post a comment under this video just to clarify that. We'll look it up and double check that. Um, now, let's talk about if you purchase this new construction home. 
and you're an investor and you want to rent it out what what are the tax implications with this like so and stuff yeah if you're now at this point if you're stating it that you're an investor you're buying it to rent out uh so it's automatic again based on your purchase price uh you're capped at thirty thousand dollars for the hst fee which is okay. So you got to pay it at a time of closing to your lawyer. So your lawyer will submit the HST on your behalf to CRA. And then the second you rent it out, you file for the HST rebate and the government will actually send it back within 60 days. Wow. Just to, as long as you prove to them that, A, you are an investor, you've paid the HST because it will show on your statement of adjustments and you have a tenant in there for a minimum of one year. They're okay. They just want to make sure you're actually following the rules. So I guess the biggest difference if you're an investor is that if you're purchasing an investment to rent out, they want the HST up front. Yeah. Whereas if you're buying it and moving in as your primary residence, you don't have to pay anything at all. No. Unless, of course, you sell it and get audited. And exactly. Then you, okay. Yeah, because so they're... Buying for, sorry to cut you off. I, saying, I guess to break it down, like if you're buying for an investment, you have to get your deposit, levies... Yeah. down payment, all that together, plus the HST cost. Exactly. So that's a cost investors. Yeah. Like you got to factor in yeah. you're coming, like on how much you need to close on the property. And typically you're putting 20% down, I'm assuming with the yeah. bank, because it's an investment. Yeah. So not only are you putting now an additional 10% from the 10% you already did, plus all, it starts to add up. So you got to you gotta be prepared for all of these extra costs, especially yeah. if you're an investor. People who buy these often and already you know the rules and know how to go about them, but the ones that are trying to get in it for the first time, just be mindful of all the extra added costs. Sometimes it's better to buy resale mm -hmm. because you avoid all those things. You're just, this is the purchase price. This is what you've been approved for. All you pay is land transfer tax and closing costs. Plus that's additional too on, on new construction, the land transfer tax on top of your legal fees, your, your utilities, your levies. And then, <laughs> that always kills yeah. you when you buy the place. Like I'd say probably ninety percent of them don't even come with air conditioners. Like ninety nine percent, so you got to put or appliances, yeah, appliances, fence, decks, all that kind of stuff. Like this is window coverings. Like these are all oh, things yeah. that people they dismiss. Move yeah, in, right. You want you don't think of it, but sometimes, like you said, it could be a better option to just go the resale route where a lot of that stuff is already done. Yeah. yeah, especially well, even with new construction, right? Like it could be carpeted. You want to upgrade those to. You want yeah. granite. You you want those nice things. Those are all. Yeah. Additional costs. <laughs> yeah. But some builders give that stuff, but I don't know if there's that many builders that offer everything. Yeah. So you okay. got to weigh out what's the best option for you long term and what's going to put the most money in your pockets, especially as an investment. It's one thing if you're going to live in it, but if it's just, if it's a cash flow, money, numbers, they all have to make sense to you at the end of the day. Yeah. And if you guys got any questions all about what might be the best for your questions about, you've purchased a new build and you're wondering like, oh crap, am I gonna have to pay this HST? What's going on? Feel free to reach out to us. We'd be happy to answer any of the questions that you have. We're always here. And as well, if you have questions about whether you should look at buying a resale or new construction, which one might be a better fit for you, uh, feel free to go to the link below, hit that Calendly link. You can actually book a call with us. Uh, my calendar is linked to that. So you can, you know, if you book the call, I'm gonna be available for you, whether you want buyer consultation, seller consultation, feel free to hit that link.
But other than that, Danny, thank you so much for joining me. It's oh, been great thanks, having buddy. you on. Your, uh, <laughs> I mean, your expertise in this field is great. So I definitely, I think I want to have you back on again. For sure. Down the road, just with more topics about new construction, because I know it's a topic. It's a hot topic for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So Love to be on Thanks for joining. It. All of you, thank you again for joining me this week. I'm so happy to have you. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. See you, everybody. Bye.